If you're looking for the best storylines this spring in the lead-up to the Olympics, look no further than the women's middle-distance races. The 8, the 15, and the 5 are all looking super stacked, with no telling of just who will be filling those spots. On this week's episode, we get to chat with two major players in some of those races who have their gazes firmly set on Rio. Kay Van Buskirk, a Commonwealth bronze medalist, and Rachel Cliff, currently in the middle of a red-hot season, talk about training, the state of the sport, and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Rachel Cliff is a Canadian middle distance runner who has a crazy range. She's equally at home dominating on the roads, as well as hitting the track for anything from a 15 to a 10,000. Case in point, she's just a few weeks fresh off a huge 10,000 PB at the Sanford Invite. Rachel hopes to be hitting the standard this spring in either the 5 or the 10, and she joins me from Flagstaff, Arizona. This season has been so far so good with a couple of road wins and a new 10,000 PB 32-38. Is this the place you wanted to be at this point in the season? Yeah, I'd say I'm on track was pretty much where I wanted to be. Um, for the past four years, I've been making some pretty consistent and like gradual progress each year. So um, I guess it's last year knowing there was some room for improvement, um, especially in my 10K. So I'd say I'm exactly where I thought I could be, but um, I also know that things can kind of... I, knowing you can do something and actually doing it are two very different things. So um, I'm really happy to be exactly where I want to be and consistent both on the roads and in track and also in my workouts. So, you know, that that was one heck of a race uh, at Stanford a couple of weeks ago at the invite uh, with the winner going 31-52. Looking at the results, uh, you finished right in the middle, but, you know, with a decent amount of time between, you know, both the people in front of you and behind you, almost like it was you, you were in a bit of no man's land. Uh, Talk to me a bit about that race. Did things kind of go how you thought that they would? Yeah, they um, they kind of did. But Tim and I didn't. We didn't appreciate that that many people would run that fast. I think that was one thing going in that we just, like you said, that was a really deep race, and a lot of people performed really well. So um, I'm pretty inexperienced with 10K, and it's an event I've been trying to move up in for a while. So we were really just treating that event as like as a chance to kind of practice the 10K, not necessarily to be shooting for the Olympic standard and anything like that. So had I known that that many people were going to run the standard, maybe my tactics were different going in. But um, we're racing flat throughout it just because I had a bit of a, a foot issue that we wanted to keep an eye on coming up into flag. And, um, yeah, I was kind of – I had a, a pace sitter who was running 77, 78 till about 6K. And then um, Stephanie Bruce took off around 7K and – I wasn't quite able to respond to the last 3K. I was kind of on my own in no man's land, which it wasn't, I held it together just fine, but I think definitely going, but that's a, a huge room for improvement, hopefully in my next race. So you kind of mentioned at the uh, the Olympic qualifier, uh, that 10,000 puts you about 26 seconds off Canadian Olympic qualifying time, uh, while a 5,000 that you did last year uh, puts you about nine seconds off that mark. At this point, which event do you feel that you have the better chance of, of hitting standard in? I really don't know. I think they're they're both pretty similar. I could make an argument for for either. Um, I'm I'm definitely trying for both, but I also know that I'm I'm far enough off these times that just about everything is going to have to line up for me for it to happen in either event. Um, technically, I'm like less than one percent off the T standard and exactly one percent off the ten K standard. So I'd say I'm really comparable in both events. Um, in the 5K, I have a lot more experience, a lot more comfortable racing the event and kind of being able to get the most out of my performance in the day. So in some ways, that makes me feel like I have a better shot at the 5K. But on the on the flip side of the 10K, 
I'm pretty inexperienced, so maybe if I could kind of learn how to race it a bit better, I could get a lot more out of my body and there might be be more room for improvement there. So, yeah, I really don't know. I think um, it might happen in neither. It could happen in both. It could happen in one of the two, but I I truthfully don't know which one I have a better shot in, if that makes sense. So just uh, looking at the stats of of both last year as well as this year and, and talking to some people who you know, run in different events. It looks like probably one of the hottest uh, tickets, you know, one of the biggest competition tickets to Rio will be the women's 5,000 and the, and the women's 1,500. There seems to be a real huge surge in talent in Canadian women's middle distance running lately. You know, what what kind of effect that has that had on your running? Um, it's all been positive. I mean, it's been a um, really exciting time to be involved in the sport. I, I'd say the women's 800 is, is pretty deep as well, and we obviously have Natasha and Lanny kind of... Um, having some pretty superb performances over the thousands. So, um, yeah, I think having your competitors um, that you never thought you could achieve definitely inspires you to um, to chase these times and, and makes you maybe believe that you have a, a shot at being closer to them as well. Um, definitely there'll be seasons well finished and there'll be yeah competitors who will run a little bit quicker than me and it always makes you want to um, race them. So it's been a really exciting time uh, to be a part of Canadian distance running. Do you think that, uh, you know, the, the different fields and stuff will end up influencing what you ultimately really, really chase after for Olympic standards this year? In terms of the 5K to 10K? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I think it, it might. I mean, um, I think at the end of the day, for me right now, like, um, I just need to focus on hitting these times. Um, in the case of the 10K, I think we'll end up just taking the top of the event, and in the 5K, it'll obviously come down to the trials, so... Um, yeah, like it, I think I'm just, I need to deal with getting the standards first and foremost, and then um, if and when I have them, I'll, I'll deal with who's who I'm competing against to actually make the team. I think if, if more than four women, three, more than three women hit the 5K standard, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting um, national championships, and definitely the same thing with the 1500 this summer as well. You know, you you, uh, you seem to have a, a really, really great range uh, spanning from the 1500, which I believe your PB is uh, a 416, uh, all the way up to the half marathon. You know, strictly based on personal preference, which distance do you like the to race the most? I definitely like the 5K the most. Um, funny enough, in university, I was absolutely convinced it was a 1500 meter runner, and I kind of held on to that event maybe a little longer than I should have. Um, but I find that now I've kind of learned how to how to run the 5K and how to get the most out of my body in it and just really being comfortable with where you should be racing and where you should be relaxing. And um, to me, it's just the right length of being long enough that it feels like a distance event, but still short enough that it's it's kind of a fun race. So, um, yeah, just based on personal preference, definitely the 5K is my favorite race. So I'm currently talking to you uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona right now, where if I'm not mistaken, there are a ton of great Canadian athletes from, uh, you know, everyone from Wingamit Trotsky's group, uh, Speed River, uh, BSAP, etc. What is the atmosphere da- like down there right now? And, uh, you know, have you been collaborating and running workouts with people from other groups? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun atmosphere. There's um, BC Endurance Project is staying in a house that's um, a little bit of side of where the other groups are staying, but we've made a real effort to go meet up with the different groups. And um, my husband, Chris, being a part of Skidover, means that we've uh, we spent quite a bit of time with them as well. So um, yeah, we've made efforts to go on a bunch of group runs with everyone and um, haven't done any runs alone, which is actually kind of think of it when I'm home. I'm doing a lot of my easy day runs alone, so it's actually been a really nice change that way. 
Um, Workout-wise, we haven't correlated with other groups yet, but hopefully over the next few weeks we will. I'm talking to Rachel Cliff right now. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at dangerous underscore underscore Cliff. Uh, you know, as a, as you kind of mentioned there, you train with the BCEP group, uh, a really cool group coached by Richard Lee with uh, provincial support. How important are government-supported groups like that uh, when it comes to the fabric of our sport in Canada? Um, I just joined BC Endurance Project this October, so um, I didn't have much opinion on this until... Um after switching, but definitely I've really come to appreciate just the, the amount of support these groups have to offer. Someone at my level isn't nationally coded, um, but between the support from BC Endurance Project and ASIC Canada and BC Athletics, I um, really wouldn't say I'm hard done by. Uh, someone like Richard Lee, I, I really appreciate this now. He he works so hard to make sure that all of us are taken care of and um, just goes out of his way to try to make sure we can all get support wherever we can. And um, at this level, when you know you don't make a ton of money running, every every little bit is so helpful. So um, yeah, I think that the uh, just as an example, he's down here in Flagstaff with us for the whole month, um, just because being a coach is his full time job, and, and getting that one on one attention and real face time with your coach is so valuable. Um, but on the flip side, I also ran independently uh, outside of a group for three years and had great success there too. So I think at the end of the day, it's just really important that you're with the right group and um, and the right coach that works for you. And the, the support is, is fantastic whenever you can get a provincial-based support for, for a running group. But, um, yeah, whatever works for you can be individualized as well. So you got married this uh, past fall to Chris Winters. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, who the listeners may know as a steepler, uh, you know, chasing a time that will get him to Rio and, and another very deep field. Given that you're both top athletes, what kind of dynamic does that bring to you know your training and, and support systems and, and stuff like that? Um, it's been it's been really great. I mean, we both um, we both understand what the other person is doing. So um, we neither of us coach each other, but we definitely get very involved in, in giving each other advice and looking at problems that you encounter in training from a different angle. Um, we also seem to run our off day runs at a really similar pace, which. Um, has been great for me. I, I think I get to do my off-day runs a little faster than I normally would, so um, so that's been really good. And um, yeah, just definitely that, that support of kind of of understanding that you need to go to bed early every night and you need to um, just continually be chasing chasing your best. I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit intense, both being in the same sport and, and chasing the same goals. Hopefully, we both achieve our goals this summer and um, it can kind of share in the video experience together. But um, overall, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine having gone through the past uh, past few years as an athlete without him. So this being an Olympic year is obviously going to be a very strategic year, uh, you know, as, as far as scheduling goes. What is your spring looking like at this point? I'm going to be racing Peyton Jordan um, at the end of this training camp. So as, as you mentioned, I've been up at Flagstaff for the past few weeks. And um, and then once that's done, I'm going to do the Oxenmel Track Classic and and just look for lots of opportunities in the 5K. I'm not actually all that sure what it's all going to look like, but I think maybe I'll just have a lot of facing every opportunity I can until I hopefully get one of the standards. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, this whole this whole thing has been probably one of the most intense uh, training periods. So just every step seems to matter a lot, and every every workout seems really critical. And and I think really all that's going to change in when racing season comes is just. I'm going to have to treat each race like a job um, and take it a lot more seriously than I would in the past. But I'm actually not all that sure exactly which 
which races I'll be doing um, in May. If I'm not mistaken, you're uh, you're still a student athlete working on your master's. Uh, you know, what has been the focus of your studies and have you found balancing your training with your studies? I started the an ocu- program called Occupational and Environmental Hygiene, um, which was about three years ago now. And um, it's within the School of Population and Public Health and um, at UBC. So essentially what you're looking at is uh, chemicals and um, workplace exposure that might occur in the workplace or in the environment. And it's kind of a, a look at public health from more of a toxicological standpoint. So it's been a really interesting program, but it's been a lot of work. And um, definitely the first two years in the program um, were really intensive. I had to take uh, 10 course loads total. I had, was TAing on the side, and then I was also doing my research. So, um, yeah, I was definitely trying to run at a level off of six, six hours sleep a lot of nights, and I think that my training really suffered as a result. Um, so I don't think I did such a good job of balancing at the beginning, but I kind of timed it perfectly so I'd be finished this Olympic year and, and kind of have it out of the way. So, um, yeah, it's been a nice, um, a nice mixture of having this running goal inside with the, the academic goal. I find that overall the balance has been really well, uh, really well, but sometimes it's been a little, a little much to handle. So I, um, I defended my thesis about a month ago and this morning actually just sent off my final revisions to my supervisor. So, Fingers crossed I'm not a student athlete anymore and I'll just be an athlete for the next little bit, which is pretty exciting. She is Rachel Cliff and uh, she will be running in just a few weeks at Peyton Jordan, uh, chasing down hopefully an Olympic qualifying time. Uh, We wish you the best of luck. Thank you. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter. This year notably has probably one of the strongest classes of women's 1500 meter runners, but few pack the credentials of Kate Van Buskirk. She's a Commonwealth bronze medalist, an NCAA record holder until this past winter, and a multiple time Canadian champion. Uh, Kate joins me from Flagstaff, a big race for you at the Sanford Invite a few weeks back, taking second in the 1500 with a 4.15. Talk to me about that race. Did you meet your expectations for the race? Um, yeah, you know, I was I was pleased with that performance. Um, it was honestly my first track race in eight months. Um, so the, the goal of that race really was just to get one under the belt, um, sort of get the feet wet again and remind my, my body what it's like to run three and three quarter laps. Um, so I didn't go in with any specific time goals. Um, Wynn and I had just talked about getting in a good competitive experience. So the goal, just like most races, was to go in and try to win it. Um, and I came close to doing that. Um, despite the sort of slowish finish time, I was I was happy with how I executed and um, sort of put myself in a position to to be really competitive. Um, and you know, the first race of the season is usually a little bit of a crapshoot in terms of people's readiness, and um, everyone's just sort of bust and rust at that point. So um, it was it was a good quality field, um, some really strong, obviously other Canadian competitors in the race. But uh, overall, I was I was pleased with the outcome and gave me a good sense of what I need to do moving forward to be ready for future races. I was chatting with uh, with the other guests this week, uh, Rachel Cliff, about this exact point. But, you know, it really looks like perhaps two of the uh, the hottest uh, tickets to Rio will be in the, the women's 5,000 and in the 1,500, uh, which are both events that, that you've run. Uh, there seems to be a huge super surge in talent in Canadians women's middle distance running lately you know what kind of effect do you think that will have on your running this year i'm really excited about that increase in depth actually um on the one hand um you know the reality is it makes it that much harder for everyone to make the team because there are so many more 
competitors um, who are probably going to be going into the trials with standard. Um, that being said, though, I think for the longevity of our sport and um, even for the, the success of the athletes who are currently in the sport, it's a great thing. Um, I, I think a lot about um, my growing up and the role models that I had in the women's mid-distance events in particular. And when you look back at the Beijing Games in 2008, Canada sent one woman in events ranging from 800 metres to marathon. We sent Megan Metcalf in the 5,000. We had no representation in the 8, the 15, the 5, the 10, uh, the marathon, I, I believe not even the race walks or the steeple. So, um, you know, at that time, the standard was a lot harder to achieve. Canada had set sort of their A-plus standard. Um, and having lack of representation at major games had a huge impact, I think, on um, my era of female runners. Um, I understand the, the argument that we need to um, have people at games who are going to be medal hopefuls, but I also think that having representation is an enormous plus for um, young women. So I think we're starting to see that. You know, in the last couple of years, Athletics Canada has made their, their qualifying standards much more reasonable. And as a result, we've had this resurgence where women are seeing, girls are seeing, you know, their role models at major games, and it's giving us all hope that we can all do it as well. So um, I'm really excited about the depth. Um, I think it's going to help everyone raise their game. And, you know, ultimately, I would love to see the Canadian record go down in my event. Um, I think it's been long enough and it's ready to go. <laughs> for sure, for sure. You know, your your 5,000 PB, it's not too far off that Canadian standard. Although, you know, as we were mentioning, uh, you know, a little bit off the record, it was a couple of years ago that you hit that. You know, is that, is that something that you have considered uh, running, you know, this year? Um, you know, in the past, I would have said yes. Um, this year, I'm going to be focusing pretty much primarily on the 1,500. Um, I made a, a coaching change almost exactly a year ago, and I, I moved from a program that was much higher mileage and more sort of um, long uh, uh, quant quantity-based into a program that was much more quality-based. Um, so I'm, I'm doing lower mileage. I'm doing some shorter intervals on the track. Um, and you combine that with the fact that, unfortunately, I was out for most of um, this past fall with some injury. So I just don't really have the, the base that I feel like I need to run a strong five this year. So um, that's probably not in the cards for 2016. Um, however, in the future, I will definitely be looking to, to run some decent 5Ks again and maybe make some teams in that event. Uh, so it was a little bit less than a year ago. I remember watching the Canadian Championships, and you ended up taking third in the 1500 with a time of 420. But if I remember correctly, uh, conditions weren't exactly optimal. You know, what can you tell me about that race? And uh, perhaps what did you learn from that from that race? And maybe something that you can take to uh, to this year's Canadian Championships Olympic Trials. Yeah, so um, you're right. Conditions were not ideal. I believe there was some, you know, forest fires that had been raging in the area. Um, and you combine that with some high winds and um, yeah, conditions were definitely not ideal for that race. However, I will say that, to be honest, I think putting any Olympic trials at any amount of altitude is not a great decision. We saw that in 2012 in Calgary and now um, in 2016 in Edmonton, which, mind you, is you know a little bit lower altitude, but it's still enough that, realistically, it, it means that there's no chance of athletes hitting their qualifying standards at the trials in events ranging from about 800 up. Um, people are really going to have to go in with their standards. So um, that being said, you know, the conditions are the same for everyone going into a race. So um, we just have to sort of deal with what we're dealt. 
Um, I think it's great that we hold our trials at the same location that we've held our nationals at the year before because it gives everyone a chance to really get a sense of the facility and the track and the conditions and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's good. I mean, from a visualization standpoint, we can start to picture ourselves on that track. Obviously, winning a medal there last year and being top three um, was provides me some good visualization leading into this year. Um, that being said, I think that the depth in my event um, at Nationals last year was was a little bit less. Um, Hillary Sellingworth was out with injury. Gabriella Stafford was away um, competing at FISU. And, and Fiona Benson, who has standard in the 15, was running the 8. So I think um, if you put even one of those three women on the start line this year, it's going to be that much more challenging. Um, but again, it's you know I, I think it's going to be anyone's race. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Edmonton this year for sure. So as you mentioned, you're, you're training with Wynne Gmitrotsky, uh, who our listeners might know as being the coach, uh, former coach of Matt Hughes, uh, the coach of Nate Brennan, you know, just in the opinion of a lot of people, myself included, one of the best middle distance coaches out there in Canada right now. You know, what has it been like training with him? And uh, what do you think it is that makes him the renowned coach that he is? Yeah, I, I feel really uh, fortunate to be training with Wynn. <clears throat> As I mentioned, I made a coaching change almost exactly a year ago um, at this camp in Flagstaff in 2015. Uh, previous to that, I had been um, with Athletics Toronto under the coaching um, of Dave Reed, Eddie Raposo, and Hugh Cameron. And to be honest, um, moving programs was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make because I enjoyed a lot of success under those other coaches in Toronto. Um, they're incredible coaches, incredible men, um, hugely impactful in my development as an athlete and as a person. Um, and I still credit them um, greatly with you know my current success and any success I'll have in the future. Um, but that being said, starting in August of 2014, I tore my hamstring coming um, off off of the Commonwealth Games. And from there, my injuries, um, both related to and, and somewhat unrelated to that tear, just progressed. So that by the time I reached Flagstaff last year, I was having a hard time even walking without pain. Um, so my change to Wins Group really was spurred by the fact that I'd had so many issues with my injury and I wasn't really making progress. And the thing about Win is that he's not only a really high-level coach, but he's one of, I would say, the world's best physiotherapists. Um, he's a strength and conditioning coach, and he has a ton of nutritional expertise. So you combine all of those things, and he, I felt at the time and continue to feel like is the best person to um, really empower me to be an injury-free athlete um, because he's got sort of that whole package, and it's just a really wonderful and easy way of, of having all of those elements come together in a cohesive manner under one person. Um, so, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed my training with Wynn. It's quite different, as I said, to what I was doing before, and that's a little bit of a... Um, that that's a bit of a, a hard thing to do a year out from an Olympic Games is to make a coaching change. But um, I, it, I've enjoyed it so far, and, I, and I'm injury-free now, and I'm really grateful for everything Wynn's done to help get me there. You know, at this point in your career, you've uh, you've achieved quite a bit. You know, a Commonwealth bronze, a few Canadian championships, uh, an NCAA record that stood until this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what would you say that your biggest accomplishment is so far and, you know, what still needs to be done before you finally hang up the spikes? 
Um, yeah, I, I've, like I said, I've been really fortunate to enjoy um, some successes in, in different events and different games. Um, honestly, I think one of the races that stands out the most for me and looking back at my career so far was um, winning my first junior national title in 2004, actually, in, in Saskatchewan. Um, I won the 800 at the uh, Canadian Junior Championships that year. And I just have this memory of finishing my race and going out for my cool down and just like being the happiest I'd ever been. Mm. <laughs> and, um, that, you know, is something that's just really stuck with me. They, uh, leading into the medal ceremony after that race, um, beautiful day by you two came on and it was just like this super corny, but super awesome, <laughs> like culmination of everything wonderful in my life up until mm. that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a huge one for me and sort of set the tone for what I wanted to accomplish as a senior athlete um, and then as a senior, I'd say my Commonwealth final in 2014 um, really stands out for me. And, you know, the thing about that race is that it's more than the medal. I think regardless of how I had placed in that race, going into that final, I walked out onto the onto the track and I just was so calm and so happy to be there and just so energized. I wasn't even nervous and that never happens to me. <laughs> so um, I was really able to enjoy the experience of that race. I felt very present in that race. Um, and the medal was just a huge cherry on the top of what was an enormous and fabulous cake. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you've uh, you've mentioned some injuries, uh, you know, both last year and uh, and the year before that as well, too. Uh, you know, since that time, how have you really tried to avoid the injury bug, uh, you know, while still trying to maintain that balance where you're you're where you're always pushing, you know, to achieve your goals? Yeah, that's a really tough one. Um, you know, every athlete deals with injury at some point in their career. It's just one of those givens, and I think how you how you manage that and how you come out of it is is what's most important. Um, my injuries, as I said, started in the sort of late summer of 2014, and honestly, it it took until about a couple of months ago to feel like I was pain free. So it was about a year and a half of of injury, um, and through that process. Um, of, of working through injury and trying to understand what was going on in my body, um, I've just learned so much about my biomechanics and about my genetics and, um, again, a lot through the help of Wynn and our support staff in uh, at the West Hub in Victoria. I've been able to um, have a much better understanding of my body and also become a much more empowered athlete in terms of what I can do in my daily training and recovery to um, manage or stave off injury. Um, so as much as it set me out last year and, and I would have preferred to have had a fall this year and everything like that, I think in some ways I've had some forced rest and, um, things have really been coming around in my training lately. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it's actually going to help me sort of peak at the right time and, and go into the trials this year, really hungry and really healthy. Um, and, and, you know, fired up about, about where I'm, um, where I'm at in my training. And I really think about Melissa Bishop, too, um, having gone through the physical adversity that she went through this time last year mm. and how she talked about it, it helping her to peak really well so that she could, you know, accomplish tremendous things this past summer. So um, I'm not saying that I'll be able to achieve what she has, but I think um, her story is really wonderful and it's one that I hold on to. Talking to uh, Kate Van Buskirk right now at K8VBeast. Trust me, it looks a lot better than than what I just made it sound like on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so that's K8 
V Beast. I, I suppose altogether it comes out as Kate V Beast. It makes sense. Trust me on that's this one. The, that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, give me a, give me a little bit of a snapshot uh, of your training. You know, what does a week look like at about this time? You know, as far as mileage and workouts go. So this time of year, um, we're sort of in what I would call the pre-competition phase. Um, obviously, we're at altitude, which changes things a little bit. Um, we want to be a little bit more cautious than usual about health and recovery and things like that. Currently, I'm doing two workouts a week, usually a Wednesday, Saturday, um, usually um, some sort of broken 1500 is what we would be doing this time of year. So whether that's, um, you know, an 800 uh, and then a, a five and a two or um, a couple fours and a couple threes, something that usually two sets of a broken 15. Hmm. Um, my mileage is sitting somewhere between 50 and 60 miles a week. Um, Win likes to cycle our training so that we go through a volume week, an intensity week, and a recovery week. Um, so, you know, during a volume week, our intervals are a little longer, our mileage is a little higher, intensity weeks tend to be more speed-focused, slightly lower mileage, and then obviously a recovery week um, is lower everything, and it usually leads into a race. Um, we do a lot of sort of body weight strength training, um, a lot of plyometric stuff this time of year, just trying to work on that explosive power. Um, and then, yeah, a long run of anywhere from this time of year, about uh, 11 to 13 or 14 miles. Um, and just lots of good recovery, lots of naps, good nutrition, self-treatment, manual therapy, stuff like that. So, you know, quickly, I, I heard last year that, uh, that Wynn is still in amazing shape himself and can actually outlift most of, uh, most of the male members of the team. Is that still the case? (laughs) Oh man, you're asking me to, to spill the secrets now. Um, I, I think our, our, our male teammates might argue otherwise, but I would bet you that Wynn has a little more power than them. He's he's a beast, and you wouldn't know it to look at him, but he is strong. Uh, he runs, you know, many days a week. He's often out doing a jog while we're warming up for our workouts, and he comes in the weight room with us, and it's always impressive what he can lift. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's a really good uh, example of, of staying healthy and fit uh, long after your career's over. So, you know, heading up to the Olympics and the trials, uh, you know, what is your schedule looking like uh, to get you primed to run your best and, and hopefully get that cue? So my next race will be the Peyton Jordan Invite on May 1st. Um, I think pretty much everyone up here in Flagstaff right now is going to be doing that one. Um, and then I'm looking to get anywhere between five and six more races in between then and the trials. So throughout May and June, really focusing on high-level competitions, probably, you know, every 10 days to two weeks, um, I'd like to try to get a race in, whether it be an 800 or a 15. Um, and I think that that would set me up really well, sort of late May, early June, to be able to be ready to hit that standard. Um, and that's the biggest goal right now, obviously, is to just get that standard under my belt um, so that I have it in my pocket leading into the trials. And then from there, just, man, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say about that. From there, you just run as hard as you can and have as much faith as you can in the process and, and your body's ability. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the next couple of months and um, lots of good visualization, lots of positivity and, and um, good thoughts about what could come this summer. She is Kate Van Buskirk, uh, has a whole bunch of accomplishments to her name, including, uh, you know, she has had an NCAA record. She has a Commonwealth bronze. Hopefully she can add 
Olympian to that as well this year. We wish you the best of luck, uh, you know, heading into Peyton Jordan and uh, for the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, Kate Van Buskirk and Rachel Cliff. Also, big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. Remember, you can get in touch with the show by tweeting to us at the Terminal Mile. And you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Tracky.ca. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Music.